Cool. Hey guys, welcome to the Tom Ward Show, where I talk to the biggest creators in the world. And today I've got Justin Khan, entrepreneur, investor, the founder of Twitch, Justin TV, Social Cam, Atrium, and more. But he's also a content creator with an excellent YouTube channel and podcast, which we're going to talk about. But it's not just enough to be an exec anymore. You've got to be a content creator. You've got a great quote. You said you need to own your own social channel so you can talk directly to your customer and your audience so media doesn't screw it up. Media personalities, creators, and influencers are the future. Yeah, I think I believe it. I stand by it. You know, I think there's so many, uh, the old model, you know, when I started off in startups, uh, building businesses was you were disintermediated by the press, right? If you want to reach customers, you had to uh, go get press for it and, and, you know, get people to tell your story. And now with social media, um, you know, with Twitter, with uh, YouTube, you can tell your story directly with Instagram, right? Like brands and, and the people behind brands more than ever can tell their own story directly. And I think that's really powerful. And you, you know, you control the narrative, you control your audience, you control everything about the, about it. And, and it's, uh, it's just like, to me, that's, it's a no brainer to invest in. You know, it's funny. I was interviewing, do you know, John Yushe? you're, you're big on clubhouse, right? Do you know him? He's, I, I don't know him. He used to work on Instagram. Or he used to work at Instagram. Now he's making the transition to creator. But we talked about the same thing. It was like, oh, I think I think I did have met him on a panel. Yeah, that's right. Oh, nice. Okay, but we were talking about the same thing, and he was saying, you know, how bad corporate America does at this. And he was saying, perfect example. You know, you know, Elon Musk. Name another car executive. Just name one. You know, right. And unless you're in the business world, you know, if you're just on social media casually. You have no idea. I think one of the Ford kids is running Ford now. I don't know, but yeah. you don't see him anywhere. And you, do you think that's a bad thing? Well, I, I think people should do what is true to them, right? So, so not everyone wants to be a social media star, a public figure, including many business executives, right? So, if it's not resonant with you, then don't do it, right? But I think a lot of people would want to tell their own story and would want to invest in it. They do want to be out there, but they don't know how. And uh, I think a lot of those people, they're telling, they're, they're, they're kind of listening, they're thinking about, they have the you know 1.0 mindset, uh, right? They have the, the original mindset, which is like, oh, I need PR people and I need to tell this very crafted story that's like, you know, it's like an advertisement. And the truth is that in the today's world, people don't want an advertisement, right? They don't want Hollywood. They want authenticity. They want to feel like they're connected to you. They want to feel like they know the real person or people behind the brand, uh, behind the product. And I think that's what Elon does really well, right? He lets his whole personality shine through. There's good parts and there's there's bad parts, right? There's parts that make trouble for him. He's like, he has no filter. He just does what he says, what the fuck he wants. And, you know, that people love him for it, right? A certain set of people, some other set of people hate him for it. But um, the important part is that that's, you know, that he is letting himself shine through. And that is what people are attracted to. Right. Yeah. And you were early on, you know, with Justin TV, we could talk about that in a little bit, but you know, you were early kind of documenting everything in your life. And then you kind of came full circle. You went away from it. You know, you were involved in a lot of startups, Twitch and other ones, but now you started creating YouTube content again. What, what brought you back? Yeah. So, so, you know, around 2007, 2006 is when we had the idea for Justin TV. And that was kind of like right when social media was getting started. You know, Twitter had just come out uh, in 2000, early 2007. And then 
there, you know, there was no Instagram. Facebook was kind of like opening up, um, you know, to more beyond college students and maybe the, the year following or something like that. So there wasn't really this idea of social media, but in 2006, I had this idea of creating a live stream to the internet, you know, of one person's life. And, and I thought, well, this person doesn't have to be exceptional, right? Like people actually are very interested in other people. And that's human nature. And so if you just gave them an opportunity to follow somebody and see somebody, then you could have somebody become a star. And I think that happened with uh, the Kardashians, for example, like the, you know, and they had the TV show that drove it, but then there was, it was really social media that really created this, you know, massive following. And, and then you've seen it like, but they're good looking too, which helps. You know what I mean? The same thing with TikTok and stuff. It's easier to do if you look good. That that's true for sure. They're they're good looking, but they're they're there's a lot of good looking people out there, right? And um, I think what what they do is they you know share a lot, and and that's interesting to people. And so uh, for me, I think um, you know we had that instinct, and then I launched Justin TV, which is a company that turned into Twitch, you know, and 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 powers this huge portion of the creator economy, right, We're around live streaming now. Um. And I kind of fell off myself uh, because I was really pursuing my business and entrepreneurial uh, energies and like the things I was interested in. And I realized over the years, like I love, you know, like creating content. And so more recently, I've kind of gotten back into it and with this YouTube channel telling stories about startups and about um, business and wellness and the things that I'm into. And uh, for me, that's just like, it's a fun pursuit. You know, it's something I love to do. And I got into it about five months ago in this latest wave. I, I've gone through successive waves. You know, I did Justin TV and then a couple of years later I did, uh, I was creating content on Snapchat, like making stories about just like entrepreneurship advice. It, and then now more recently it's, it's YouTube. So uh, I don't know. I've been having fun with it. It's, it's a creative pursuit for me. And that was another thing too. I mean, it is fun and I'm doing it right now, right? We both are creating content and it's fun. Why have a day job if, you know, if I'm you, I go, okay, why would I want to work at anything? I, you know, I got, I got some money stocked away, I'm sure. I like making YouTube videos and stuff. Got a nice little team together. Why not just wake up and do that every day? Why, why bother working? Well, I like, there's a couple things, you know, I, I, when I thought about what I want to do, I thought about what gives me joy to do. And there are a couple things that give me joy you know, in the context of work. Uh, one is I love to meet people and meet new people and learn about people and then learn about new ideas. And I love to be a mentor and advisor and kind of apply my skills that I've learned uh, building startups to help other people. And so those things are very, you know, they're the job that kind of goes, goes along and lets me do those things professionally as being an investor in startups. And so it's fun for me to be an investor. It's kind of like I, I thought like, what would I do if I wasn't getting paid for it? And I w- wasn't going to make any money from it. And even when I was starting startups, I would go and help other companies and like, you know, advise people, mentor them, try to be useful, meet people, learn about their businesses because it, it's kind of like a hobby for me, you know? So with my job, my day job, which is being an investor, you know, I have this fund, go capital invest uh, in seed stage companies. It's basically like doing my hobby, you know? And so, uh, it doesn't feel like work, um, really. And then my other hobby is content creating and that I love telling stories. And, and so creating videos on YouTube and making my podcast, that's like, it's like 
doing my other hobby. You know, I feel very lucky. I get to like execute my hobbies as, as my job. It's funny. I heard you say about YouTube and it's, I never thought about it in the business context before, but you said something like, you know, don't worry about the views. You pretend that no one's watching, you know, pretend you're going to get zero views. You know, would you still cranking, keep cranking this content out? Basically you're saying the same thing at work too. You know, if I wasn't going to make any money, would investing still be a fun pursuit for me? Is that yeah. kind of how you look at your life at this point? Exactly. It's like, what would I do? Because I, I, I spent a lot of time doing things that I was very extrinsically motivated to do, right? I wanted to do them because I thought they would make me money or make me more popular or famous, whatever. And actually being an entrepreneur was kind of like that. Like I, there were things I liked about being an entrepreneur that I was more intrinsically motivated to do. Maybe that was like creating a product in the early days, et cetera. But then later on, like it's like growing a company and like managing a ton of people and you know, did I love to do that? Is that my natural thing that I would want to do for no money? Not, not really, but I was motivated from external reasons. And eventually I woke up to this idea of like, Oh, I should just, I could pursue the things that I want to do for internal reasons because I love them you know, for intrinsic reasons. And when I started doing that, I was just much, much happier, you know, I was like so much happier. And so that's kind of the, the measure by which I determine, you know, what I want to do and how I want to spend my time. It's funny. I've got to look at a note here, but community seems like it's very important to you. I was looking, one of your companies was Whale, an online Q&A community, connect with influencers. You also did The Drop, an online community that helped people discover dance music. You're big into Burning Man. Twitch is a community. Social media is a community. How important is that for what you're doing, creating content and just in your personal life? I mean, is that what you've always seeked? Yeah, that's a that's a really insightful observation. You know, for me, a couple of years ago, I realized that everything I, I had done in my adult life, I had done to try to get people to be close to me, you know, because it's something about when I was a kid, you know, I didn't feel like I got the approval of the people around me in the way that I wanted, or I didn't get connected as deeply with the people around me in the way that I wanted. And so I, I think that's has been very important is like, how do I build community online and offline uh, that makes me feel like close to, to people. And I've done that in various ways and to varying degrees of success. And, uh, you know, it is one of the things that's like kind of most important to me as I think about navigating the world, you know, it's a beautiful kind of pursuit, you know, cause that's what it's all about. Talk about specifically yeah. the content creating. Cause you know, there's a lot of people who watch this who are, you know, aspiring creators or influencers Talk about how important, you know, building a sense of community or building a community around what you're doing, you know, how important that is. Yeah. So uh, I worked, you know, I, my company, Twitch was founded by, funded by YC, Y Combinator in the, in the early days, which is like a seed stage fund. And they fund many, many companies, like thousands of companies, including like Reddit, Dropbox, Airbnb, Instacart, Coinbase, the list goes on. And um, I worked there for a couple of years as well, investing. Uh, and then one of the things I love the most about Y Combinator is the community. It's a community of startups where, you know, people help each other. The founders help each other out. It's, uh, you know, some of my closest friends are, are other founders from that community. And in what's generally a very lonely pursuit, right, which is starting a company, you're like doing it with yourself or your couple co-founders, but then it's like, it's all on your shoulders. In the face of that lonely pursuit, this is like a community of, uh, for support. And so uh, I really love that. And, when, you know, as I think about my own content, I think about how do I, can, are there aspects of that that I can create for the people who watch my content who may be going through, you know, it's not all 
high powered startup founders. It's uh, people who maybe just are thinking about starting a company. Maybe some of them are just like looking for life advice from somebody who they feel like has made it. Um, but it's like, can, can I do create mechanisms of, you know, creating a community and interactions among those people who watch my content, whether that's, you know, a discord server, which we might start, we haven't done it yet, or like other uh, community software to like ways that people can like kind of interact and get together. Like, I think about that a lot. It's cool. And YouTube isn't necessarily the best at that, right? Cause you're kind of making content in your bubble with your team, you know, you're yeah. also you're on clubhouse a lot too, right? What do you like, what other platforms do you like? Like you mentioned discord, like what other platforms are pretty good for you for building that community or kind of engaging with, you know, your followers? Yeah. So I've been using this, com- this platform called LiveSpot, which is a company I invested in, you know, full disclosure that, uh, it's basically allows you to do like a live class with, um, you know, your community from YouTube or Twitter or wherever. And, uh, so I do these live sessions. Well, I'll, I'll kind of help mentor people on their pitch decks or startup pitches or, you know, do office hours for them. And it's a chance for people to kind of interact with each other as well, which I think is pretty cool. And so I've been, you know, I've, I've been experimenting with that. You know, it's a new company. These guys just started like a couple months ago. So, um, you know, that's one example of, of something I'm trying out, you know? Wow. That's cool. What other, what do you think of social, social, social audio? Are you, you know, Clubhouse blew up and now there's a million of them, right? Twitter's got their Spotify's got green room. They're trying to get in the market too. Do you yep. like that? Or do you find that a medium that doesn't necessarily work for you? No, I think it's cool. I was, you know, uh, I love Clubhouse and I've been on Clubhouse for like over a year, but I'm actually, oh, wow. Uh, really got into it probably around December and January. And, you know, I find it, it's like a pretty cool medium for just engaging with people, right? Like, and, and having interesting conversations. And I, I've had a lot of great conversations on it. It, it kind of too exposed. It, it's different too. Like on social media, you don't really have a chance to meet you, you know, or it, you're, you're different, but it's hard to get, you know, reach you by DM on Instagram, say, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure you get a ton of DMs. I'm sure you get a ton of DMs of people asking for money. For the- yeah. <laughs> you yeah. probably don't get to every one of them, right? But the cool thing about Clubhouse is you've got a good chance, depending on the size of the room, but you have a chance, say, to reach somebody you really admire, maybe get on stage and ask them a question where, yeah. what other forum, you know, where else could you do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, I think that that's a that interactivity where you can just have an, an encounter with somebody who you respect or want to get to know and like, you know, you look up to and just be able to have that conversation is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I want to give a shout out to, I want to give a shout out to Jen, your producer, I guess. Oh, she's the greatest. She's the greatest. We were, we were tweeting, we were shooting DMs earlier. Yeah. But, so she's, you've got a team and first of all, who's on your team? You know, what do you, yeah. what does it look like? Yeah. So I have uh, a team that helps me out with my content. And um, so Jen it runs my YouTube channel and she was really the brains behind my YouTube. Like she, I, uh, you the I, no, I'm the beauty. She, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, she's the, she's the brain. She was like, you should create a YouTube. Like this is December of last year. And she's um, telling me you should create a YouTube channel. And I was just, kind of skeptical. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to use a camera. Like, I don't know how to do anything. I don't know anything about videography. Right. And she kind of convinced me, well, I'll, I'll help you with everything. All you have to do is just like buy a camera, point it at yourself and like tell some stories. So I 
decided to try it. And then a couple of the videos we made like work really well, actually they blew up pretty quickly. And so, um, I got excited about it and I was having a lot of fun doing it. And so we just kept making videos for the last, you know, since January or whatever. And that's worked pretty well. Uh, YouTube channel, people seem to like it, uh, grown to about 130,000 subs, but most importantly, like I get a lot of positive feedback and I was just on a call with a founder that I was, uh, considering investing in. And he was telling me he watches my YouTube channel and has gotten a lot out of it in, on his own for his own journey. And so, you know, that's really meaningful to me. And it feels like it scales, you know, I can only have so many one-on-one conversations during the day, which I, I usually have a lot, you know, I'm on zoom all day, but, um, this is a way to reach, you know, a hundred thousand people with my videos and content and they seem to get some benefit out of it. So I, I, I really love and appreciate that. So Jen works on my YouTube and then she has some editors who, help on the uh, YouTube channel. So she, she'll kind of like, she and I will come up with the ideas and then uh, our, the, 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 well, I'll film it. And then the editing team, you know, one of our editors will kind of like take a stab at it and then we'll iterate from there. And then I also do a podcast called the quest. It's like a guest based podcast, uh, I guess, kind of like this where, um, you know, I'll bring in friends of mine from all different disciplines and areas who are doing interesting things, maybe have had interesting stories oftentimes ups and downs, you know, anyone who's been successful has gone through a lot of failure to get there. And I think from the outside, sometimes it's hard to see that failure, right? Cause you just see where they're at right now. Like, um, you know, my friends who are the chain smokers, right? They get a huge EDM act. Oh, yeah. They, you know, are incredibly successful today, but then, you know, when you talk to them and you hear the stories of like how they grinded and experimented to get there and like almost gave up many different times, you know, that's, that gives you a different perspective. And um, I just wanted to tell stories of that, where of guests where people went through that struggle and then they found success. And then oftentimes they realize like that success maybe wasn't the most important thing after all, it was more about that journey and, and finding some deeper meaning afterwards. Uh, so I do that podcast and then I have a full-time pro- producer on that Brent um, who works with me on that. And he, uh, usually comes up with the guest ideas. We do it together and, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, and then he, he's the producer. And then we have, um, a team of, uh, editors that, that work on that podcast as well. And then, um, I have, a, another, uh, kid on my team, Felix, who's, who's, uh, kind of helps with the newsletter that we produce as well as, um, uh, like a lot of, uh, content ideas for both the podcast and the, and the videos. Do you go, I mean, do you go this hard at pretty much everything you do? Like, you don't seem like a half-assed kind of guy, you know, whether That's it's funny I, or hobby. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I, I actually don't think of myself as like going that hard on content. Although I see that as I just described, like this whole infrastructure like I've set up. Yeah. It seems like a lot. Yeah. I also have like somebody who works on all the graphics and stuff for all this stuff. So, so, you know, there's, yeah, there's probably a little bit more than I haven't explained, but, um, you know, it's funny. It's like, I'm somebody who, when I want to see something in the world, I just like go and want to do it. You know, like I'm just doing it. And I feel like a lot of times it manifests um, because I'm always out there in the world talking to people and I'm always, I, I have a very evangelical personality. So when I have a new idea, I'm like telling everyone about my new idea. And I think oftentimes that bubbles up people who want to get involved. They want to participate. They want to um, work on it with me. And I'm very open to working with new people. You know, I've, I've always, on my projects, I've worked with many, many different new people. And it's always like, you know, not always new people, but often new people. And so um, I think 
that, you know, it often, like I get this ball rolling on things and uh, it often just feels like it's manifested around me. One example, which is pretty cool at the top of mind for me is like, I've had this beverage idea uh, for a while, uh, like a non-alcoholic beverage idea. And, you know, I, I don't drink anymore. I quit drinking a couple of years ago. Um, I had this idea and I had no idea how to implement it, right? I'm not from the beverage world. I have no idea how to do it. And actually someone texted me on Friday who was the co-founder of a beverage company that I'd met months ago randomly. Like he didn't know I had this idea and he was just like, oh, I left my company. Like I'm looking for something to, you know, I just want to, I was wondering if you want to catch up. And I was like, oh, I have this idea. I'm texting him about it. And he's like, I can make that. And he's super excited about it. And so now four days later, we're starting this beverage company, you know, and, and it's, and it's pretty cool because for me, I've like, I have ideas in the world. It could be content. It could be startups, it could be investment ideas. Um, and I'm always just explaining them to people, telling them to people, and it just gets people excited. And sometimes things happen from it. You know, sometimes it's Twitch. Sometimes it's, um, you know, a company that didn't work out, right? Like I, I do not have a hundred percent success rate at all. But I do think that I have a lot of catalytic energy to get people excited and start things. You know, and that's what I was going to say too, as a founder and a successful founder, you've got to have, you know, a bunch of skills. Like you, one that just jumped out of me is you're a doer. You know, you're, you know. Hey, I want to do a beverage and I don't know shit about it, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing too, that seems like you've got, and it might be one of your most you know, important talents in the, in the work you are. And you said you're evangelical. You, it seems like you have the ability to transmit excitement to somebody else. Yeah. Super jacked on this. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's the vision. Is that way, if you had to pick, you know, some traits, some, some positive ones um, that you've developed over the years, is that one? For sure. That's like my number one. Is it? That's my number one. Yeah. It's like, cause I'm not that good at anything. You know, I'm, I'm like a pretty, I mean, that's not false humility. Like I, I think I'm a pretty smart person. I have a lot of business experience so I can understand business patterns pretty well. And, you know, I'm fairly well-spoken. Like I'm I like, I have good baseline skills, but I'm not like the world's best programmer. I'm definitely not the world's best manager. You know, I'm not the most thorough, you know, like the most analytical or financial investor. Um, but I have a lot of energy to like activate people and get them excited about things and any sort of organization that you build, you know, whether it's content, whether you're building, you know, a company, uh, a nonprofit, it's going to involve people, right? Like there's no very few human organizations that are like one person, right? <laughs> like that, where they just do a parking lot. I always thought that would be the best business to own like yeah. a parking lot. You need like one yeah, employee. exactly. So, so it's, if you, if, if you built a parking lot, maybe you only need one person. Oh, but most, that's the exception. Yeah, yeah. Most um, most companies, most organizations involve multiple people, and so you need somebody to like get everyone excited to go do it. You know. And it seemed like it worked out too. And you you hit you hit on something too. You're not that smart. I'm going to call bullshit, of course. But you're a Yale guy, right? And not only you're a Yale guy, so you, you can't be in a dummy getting into Yale. You know, so that's yeah, number one. That, that's but fair. Two. Uh, I thought when I heard your major was physics and philosophy, that's correct, right? Yeah, that's right. I thought that was bizarre, but I'm a meditator. I do uh, transcendental meditation and the Maharishi, the guy who founded it was a physics major in college. He got his master's in physics. So it seems like two foreign worlds, but in your mind and maybe in his, does it kind of go together? It seems like two total opposites of the spectrum. 
I'll tell you about my, my majors, you know, in Yale, there's this thing called combined majors where you can take two majors and you basically combine them in, in a way. There were some like that people did regularly physics and philosophy was on math and econ. And so people would take half the classes in one and a part one major and half the class in the other and still graduate. So for me, I was going to be a physics major. I took the first two years of physics did really well. The third year I took, I started this one, the first class of the third year. And I was, I got a 14% on a test. And I was, I was like, that's terrible. You know, that is, is awful. Like I clearly do not understand what's going on. And so I pivoted to physics and philosophy, which is not a double major. It's a combined major. So I only took, oh, that's cool. it's not, I, I didn't do double the course load. I did uh, basically half of physics and half of philosophy. And I can do half the first intro, the first two years of physics and the first two years of philosophy and still graduate. So that was kind of the hack actually. So everyone thinks I'm super smart because they're like, oh, he's a double major of physics and philosophy, but no, it's physics and philosophy, <laughs> like one thing. And uh, I cool. still graduated. And so, but I, I will say that physics is pretty interesting. And, and I do think it relates to transcendental meditation, which I did practice for a while Oh, nice! in a way because meditation and the study of meditation is all about frameworks. It's like a framework for the mind, right? It's a lot of it is like, how do you, how do we create a scientific framework for the mind and for our conscious experience? And physics is about frameworks right now. The, you know, it's kind of like the difference between physics and biology or something like that. Like physicists would say like, Oh, this is like real science and biology is like kind of, or sociology or like, you know, economics, maybe economics is probably the best example. So like, that's like kind of fake science, right? Cause it's more of like, um, uh, the data is like maybe ill-defined in many different aspects. And like, that's true. I think when you consider like the meditative sciences, right. It's like the, the data is very subjective because it's coming from like people's kind of first party reports. And, um, so maybe it's like not the cleanest, you know, quantitative framework, but I do still think it's like uh, an example of framework thinking. You know, and you you seem like, you know, just doing homework too on, on you. It seems like you've been a seeker when anyone says they've read Siddhartha, right? You know, you're <laughs> you done a lot of research. This is a That's great a, interview. Bro, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. see, we're, not, we're not talking about how much you sold Twitch for, okay? You've answered I love that, that question I appreciate a that, million yeah. times, right? Yeah. We don't need to talk about that again. But I read that in college. I read uh, you know, most of his books. There's a specific person, I would say, that reads that. You know, Were you going yeah. back to college kind of, and you were a philosophy um, dual major? Was that always kind of part of you, you know, seeking out? I think um, I didn't know it at the time, but de definitely in the back of my mind, I think I was always like, what is the point of life? What's more in life? Like, how do I get the most out of life? And there was a dissatisfaction. You know, I think a lot of people who are drawn to um, meditation, especially in the West, are actually people who came from places of trauma or dissatisfaction, like where the world was not working well for them as it was. And so they look for something different, right? Something alternative. And uh, I think for myself, I definitely had a sense of dissatisfaction to really, you know, kind of related back to that feeling of lack of connection with other people when I was younger. And that drove a lot of my life, like both on the meditative side, you know, I've, I practice meditation very regularly now, but also like the entrepreneurship, like saying, if I can become a famous entrepreneur, then people will want to connect with me. They'll, I'll, I'll finally, you know, be close to people or I'll be an attractor for people to come and be close to me. And so 
you know, I do think that that dissatisfaction drove a lot of my life. What other books? It sounded like that one kind of made an impact on you too. Are you a reader? You know, what other ones people are always looking for? I'm always looking for book recommendations. You know, what are some that, that stood out that kind of stayed with you? Yeah, I'm going to drop a YouTube video on this at some point, but um, okay. some good ones are, uh, I really love Shogun by James Clavell, which is kind of like this adventure story of this uh, British sailor who gets marooned in feudal Japan. But there's a lot of like life lessons embedded in that book. It's a like oh, yeah, amazing fun read, but like a lot of life lessons and um, things I've applied to my startups. Um, there's a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, which uh, is an amazing book. If you haven't read it, it's kind of like an introduction to uh, non-dualism and uh, Eastern philosophy in, in kind of put in a layperson's terms in the West. So like people could understand it and that, you know, in, who are, have a Western background. Um, there's a book called Awareness by Andy DeMello, who was a, uh, a monk, I believe in, um, no, he was a Jesuit pre maybe um, in India. He's, yeah, but, uh, you know, he's Indian background, but um, the book Awareness is pretty good at, you know, just like covering some concepts of how, how to def- deal with like what you can and can't control in the world. Um, you know, which is, is pretty, was really powerful for me. Um, those are some good ones that I found really important. Uh, nice. I'll put that in the notes too. So people can check them out. I was yeah. writing notes too of once they check out. Uh, cool. you, so you mentioned meditation a couple of times. Let's talk meditation. What you said you yeah. did TM before. What are you into now? What do you, what do you do? Uh, I, Started like I did TM for about six months, and then I um, started studying with a teacher who teaches kind of like uh, universal mindfulness, which is kind of a vipassana derivative that uh, was created by this um, teacher Shinzen Young. And uh, yeah, it's mostly about presence and you know your experience, you're defining and breaking down the experience of consciousness in, in the world, and. Um, so you are, are you actually yeah. sitting down so, and, and doing meditation or is it more like a walking meditation? Um, yeah, it's mostly seated practice okay. and I try to practice for 25 minutes a day. Although more recently, that's, it's, you know, I have a, I have a young kid. So like my meditation Me time has been uh, disrupted some of the time. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I try to practice every day. Well, I have practiced every day for uh, years although my bar is really low. I'm like, if I sit for two minutes and I count it. So uh, I practice every, you know, regularly. And then I try to be present, you know, in the moment a lot of times. So I have this red bracelet that I keep on. And every time I look at this bracelet, I remember, Oh, be pre- like, what's my present experience and try to deconstruct my present moment experience in consciousness whenever I am reminded to. And that's kind of my practice. Dude, that's hard, especially kind of being in the social media type world too. It's easy to like be in a boring conversation and kind of take out your phone and you know zone and just out. start doom scrolling. Yeah, yeah, I used to do yeah, that forever. One hundred percent. You know, it's that's and I think that's a problem. I mean, I'm guilty of it. You know, I run into that too. It's just kind of you're mindlessly, you know, scrolling just because kind of where you're at at that point in time doesn't seem that interesting. You know, it seems like you got to look for some external stimulation to kind of have some fun almost. Yeah. 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 And that the mind doesn't like to be bored. Right. There's a bunch of, I feel, I feel like it goes back to, I have this philosophy on 
human behavior, which is that we are all, all human beings, you know, human beings evolved in the resource scarce environment. And so we're running uh, a resource scarce algorithm in a resource abundant environment. Now today we have like abundance and everything. We have enough food, you know, more calories than you need. You have more alcohol than you, than you need, or more access to information than you need, right? You have your information used to be scarce. And so we're attracted to like get information and process information. But now today you have your fo- you know, the entire internet on your phone at, at any moment. And so, you know, it's easy to just get caught into like doom scrolling Twitter for hours and hours, right? Before you knew what happened. And so um, for me, it's, it's about, I think, you know, this meditation is a way of to mentally retrain yourself to be put a little bit of distance between impulse and action. And that can be a really powerful tool. How old, um, I've got two daughters. I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old. How old are, how old are your kids? Are you- He's almost two. Yeah, one kid, almost two. Okay, so you'll see this. My six-year-old is on YouTube. She navigates it. That's what she watches. She's way into it. Yeah. It's kind of coming from that world, you know, kind of coming from the tech background and stuff. Do you think you'll go the other way raising your kids? You know, hey, you get a half hour on YouTube a day. You know, we're going to monitor your social media, like, or you think you'll be kind of more hands off? Like, how do you think you'll you'll manage? No, I'd, I'd like to be more, you know, the former. What you describe, like more controls. I mean, that's easy to say, right? So like hard, everybody, yeah. it's easy to say, hard to do. So, you know, I'd like that's my aspiration, but we'll see what happens. Um, you know, we already we didn't let him watch videos uh, for a long time, and then only recently, and now it's like okay during two teeth brushing, right. And stuff like that, like things that are, but I can see how that slips. It's like, okay, you know, you're getting on an airplane. You're like, Oh my God, like, I can't deal with this. Like, you know, and like, I, I don't, I don't pretend like I have some super reserve of willpower or discipline here. <laughs> and it's so wild too. I mean, I interview creators. That's what I do. And that's kids. Number one career aspiration now is to become an influencer of some kind, you know, it's a Instagram star or, you know, TikTok star or whatever. Um, and now there's so much in your world, in the startup world, it seems like every day there's a new startup around creators of yeah. some kind, right? What do you think of all that activity going on there? You think people are just trying to tap something that's hot or you think there's a lot more out there that needs to happen? And that's why all these startups are popping up every day. Well, I think the, I think there, it's both, you know, I think there is the, the creator economy has just, started to inflect, you know, it's, we're 10 years in, but it's going to be a hundred year journey. I think you have people who are so powerful in terms of moving the needle on ideas and products that, you know, there's all this infrastructure that hasn't been built to like support them um, in doing that. And so I think that's, uh, that's what, where the gold rush is, right? People are like, Oh, they, they see like, Mr. Beast can launch, you know, Beast Bur- Mr. Beast Burger and drive this massive amount of sales and have like, you know, hundreds of restaurants or thousands or of virtual restaurants now overnight. And people are like, wow, that's really impressive and really valuable. And what are the other downstream things that we could do with this kind of influence? And so I think that's, uh, we're just starting to see that and explore that. You know, it was cool. We Before we started, we talked about Josh Richards. Shout out to Josh. Shout out to Michael Groove yeah. and the whole crew. It's kind of neat um, to see where how this has evolved pretty quickly. You know, it went from give me 20 grand to do a brand deal and I'll promote Bang Energy Drink on Instagram, right? So it went to that to 
I don't want to promote bang energy drink. I want to have my own energy drink. Yeah. To, I don't want to just have an energy drink. I want to have 10 other companies that I can invest in and, you know, kind of create this fund. It seems pretty impressive that it's kind of accelerated that quick. Did you ever think they'd be in that, in your world, in that VC, you know, world? Yeah. Well, we've had like actors and entertainers and artists coming into the VC world for the last 10 years. You know, Ashton Kutcher was like one of the first. So I, you know, it's been clear because, and I seen, seen the power of it because, you know, the founders themselves are, you know, not immune to the power of celebrity. And so I saw like founders being like, Oh my God, I can get Ashton Kutcher to invest in my company or Nas to invest in my company. And then they would want to do that because who doesn't want to tell their friends back home? Like, Hey, you know, Ashton's an investor in my company, you know? Uh, so, so there, there is some, that brand power as a celebrity, it does, you know, it doesn't just work in terms of, you know, getting cast on shows and movies. It also works in terms of getting it access to deals. And so uh, I, I do think that's like, you know, it's been happening for a while. Hey, what do those deals look like? So I got to start up all of a sudden I want Josh Richards and Ashton Kutcher to be part of it. Very rarely, I'm guessing, are they investing money? Am I basically just giving them shares? To no, no, they're investing money. Like, oh, they, at first, at first, a lot of celebrities just wanted like free shares, but um, you know, people like the smarter entrepreneurs are like, okay, I don't, you know, are you going to provide that much value? And then they're not sure, right? And so it's it's a risk. What when they invest money, you know, now it's a competitive environment for capital. So like, there's the startups have grown for the last ten years. Has been this massive bull market, right? Since 2000 eight really since 2009. So like 12 years. And so there's all of this capital going into startups, right? At the early stage, at the late stage, et cetera. So you've seen it like later stages with SPACs and, and, you know, growth stage equity. You've seen it early stage with all these seed funds that have popped up. So how do you win that deal? Right? Like how do you, everybody's looking for how to win. Like even myself, someone who's been a successful entrepreneur, founder of Twitch, like I go into deals sometimes and people are like, Oh, it's full. Like we don't, you know, we, like we already raised money from other people. Why do we need you? And so everybody, no matter who you are, I guarantee it. Like you, there's, you know, like uh, there's always, it's, it's, you have to compete. There's some deals you have to compete for. And so, um, you know, being a celebrity is a way to compete and, but they work for it now. Like the smarter ones are like saying, okay, I can help you drive traffic. I can help you uh, drive, you know, brand recognition. And I'm also going to invest money, you know? It's wild. I interviewed um, Kevin Durant's business partner, and it was funny. He was saying that, you know, five, not that long ago, five years ago, basketball players, when they met fans or just were out talking, they want to talk about basketball. <laughs> you know, they want to tell yeah. war stories or, you know, getting that kind of conversation. He goes, now that's the last thing they want to talk about. Every one of them wants to talk about startups and investing. And it's yeah. crazy how it's shifted that quick. Well, it's, it's interesting in the culture the business culture, has become cool, right? Yeah, it is. Cool. And like business is cool now, like celebrity, like CEOs who are big companies or celebrities, they have hundreds of thousands or millions on Twitter and Instagram, like people like they're, they're, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier, you know, like they are stars in, in their own way. And so the rest of the world has followed that, whether it's sports, whether it's, entertainment music like it's not like in music it used to be like if you're like too into business you're a sellout right but now it's 100%. like that's smart you're smart right like my friends the the guys from the chain smokers they have their own 50 million dollar fund they're smart they're good investors actually they're really Holy smart shit. right and they're 
they are strategic about it and they are interested in building businesses. And that's not, that's not lame anymore. That's cool. You know? So, okay. You're an investor, right? Everybody's got a fund now, you know, there's all these VC companies out there. How hard is it to find deals? Are you competing and you against the other guy trying to invest too? I mean, what's it like? Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of deals. There's a lot of companies and more companies than ever, but there's also more funds than ever. So it is competitive and you're always, you have to, you know, you're selling dollars, right? So, and dollars are the same, whether, you know, if you get, I guess, you know, if you get them from me or you get them from, you know, a friend of mine, it's the yeah. same, right? It spends the same. So uh, the way that you differentiate is by saying, here's how, here's the value add that I'm going to provide to you, right? Like when someone invests, when, when I pitch GOAT founders and like or founders who I want to invest in, I'm taking my money. I say, look, here's my experience. Like I have been there. I've grown companies to hundreds of people, sold companies for a billion dollars. And I've also failed a lot. And like startups are not all winning. There's a lot of failure and I can tell you what it's like. I can empathize during failure and I can also maybe help you, you know, know some of the signs of failing. So, you know, you can maybe make different decisions than me and and maybe make better ones. And uh, I'm going to put you on a thread with me and a text thread and my partner, Robin, and you could text us anytime and we'll get back to you, you know, and, um, and help you. And here's like some of the ways that we've helped, you know, I don't have to go into them here, but like, And that's it. Like that's, that's the pitch. And usually like, you know, it, it often works because I feel like I, I, people do want that experience around them. Um, but sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and like, that's okay. So you're almost applying. It sounds like you're trying to get a job. You know, it's not, yeah, it's, did, he, did when, it used to be more just money talks. Hey, look, I got 10 million f- for you. Okay. Take it. And let's, you know, you, let's negotiate where it sounds like more, I got 10 million, but so does the other five guys. Exactly. So the other five guys, and if it's a good company, they're going to have a lot of options, right? So then you have to sell yourself. Like that's, yeah, exactly. It used to be money was more of the gatekeeper. Now it's not at all. The gatekeeper is like talent. What do you mean talent? Talent. Like the the talented founders, right? The talented founders, the the founders who are going to drive the next huge company, you know? Like there's just not that, yeah, there's not infinity of founders who are driving amazing companies, right? But there is a lot of capital. You risk on startup if the business model is flawed or it's not going to make revenue for years and it may not ever, if you really believe in the founder, you know, how, how important is that kind of intrinsic thing that that founder has? I think it's the most important thing. It's hard to tell, right? Because how do you tell somebody who's like, just has a crazy idea and may pivot to something like Justin TV, you know, me strapping a webcam on my head and like streaming to the internet. Did anyone know that was going to turn into Twitch? No, you couldn't even like really make a credible argument, right? Like you just had to have going with your gut. Like, Hey, these kids are like really motivated to figure something out. And there's a lot of examples like that of founders where, you know, I invested in them. They, pivoted and then their company became a unicorn company or worth $500 million or whatever. And I wouldn't have guessed, but there was some instinct of like, this guy's got it. You know, he's got some special, something special, um, like inside of him. And so it's hard, you know, it's, but it's hard to make those calls sometimes because you're like, Oh, this business is not a good business. You know, there's a lot of times where I, I was like, "Eh, I don't know about this business. And they went on to be amazing companies, you know, but you bet on them anyway. Is that what you're saying too? Some of the time, but some of the time, no, you know, so like I've, I've missed a lot too, you know, 
I'm not some, I, I think I've been lucky and been in a, you know, I've been very supportive of, of great companies, but like, there's a lot of companies I missed because I just didn't see, I didn't think the product was good, but you know, I should have bet on the person. So you go, do you go founder first, then product? Is that the order? Is that the most, the two most important things you're at? Or? Yeah, I like to think so. But like, oftentimes I think something that's a product that isn't good enough or like, I don't feel like is good enough. I, it, it, it is a barrier and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this deal. Cause like, I don't think the product's good enough, but maybe it could improve. I heard about a deal today that I had passed on seven months ago that I was pretty close on. We were, we were excited about it, but then the product, it just didn't seem quite there, but then now they just raise a shit ton of money. So like, what do I know? <laughs> you know, like, the, you know, like yeah, it always happens and maybe it will, it could be successful. It could fail. Like, I don't know. Like it's going to take a lot of years to figure it out. But the, the point being that like products can improve, but that core talent, you know, usually there's that spark there in the beginning. What, I mean, you mentor a lot of people out there and there's a lot of young people watching, you know, what question do you get asked all the time? Like as far as starting a company, founding a company, investing in companies, like what do people ask you all the time? What's the most common questions? I mean, it's like, how do I, how do I get started being an investor, yeah. being a founder, like all those things, you know, for me, the answer is always like, you just got to get started doing something, you know, like it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like I'm a doer. Like when I have an idea, there's nothing that stands in my way of like getting to just like, I just talk about it. Like I can already make it happen. Right. Like I'm telling people about, Oh, I'm st- I want to start this beverage company. And here's like the branding, here's the marketing, here's how it's going to work. Here's like who the customer segment. And then people are like, Oh yeah. They like get excited about it. Even though I have no idea how to actually make that beverage. <laughs> right. Like it's yeah. so, so for me, I'm always encouraging people, like, you just got to take the first step, figure out how to get started. And that's the most important part. If you can figure out how to get started um, and take a few steps and like start to get momentum, momentum drives everything in human behavior. Can you, can you teach that? Or is that something you have? Like, cause somebody reached out to me. I don't even want to say how I know this person, but said, Hey, I want to start a podcast, you know? Do you have any advice? So I, I've been doing this for three years. So I have some thoughts, right? I don't know if yeah. they're good or not, but I have some thoughts. So I spent like an hour with them, sent them emails, all this stuff. And I knew they weren't going to do anything, right? Yeah. Because they're not a doer. They talk about a lot of things, but they never start anything. Can you teach somebody like that to become a doer? Is that something like you have and that's just how you're made? I don't know. I think one of the things that's different about me from a lot of people is that I don't see downsides or I don't see barriers. A lot of people worry about like, what if this doesn't work? What if, if it, I don't have the right skills? What if I don't find the right team? What if I, if the market isn't there? And for me, I, I, I only see, I'm an optimist at heart and I, I see like how, how things could work. Or like, if I hear a problem, I'm like, okay, here's how we work, route around that problem. Here's like the solution. Here's how we mitigate that. I don't really, it never occurs to me like, it very rarely occurs to me, like, don't do this, you know, like I have to like, so I'm, when I get into, I have instincts and I really trust my instincts. Like, you know, with this beverage, it's like, I don't know if it's going to work, but I have this instinct that this market, this segment of the market isn't served in this way. And I do think it will work. And I don't think someone could convince me that's not the case, which could be wrong. You know, I've been wrong before. So, but I think that helps me get momentum to go get going. You know, you, you kind of bring it back to the, being a creator too. You mentioned before, hey, you know, create content like no one's watching. So to me, I take that like, 
you know, if it doesn't get views, as long as you're happy with the content, cool. Exactly. That may be a very Zen approach. It may be the right approach, but if I post a video and it doesn't get a lot of views, I'm bummed for like days. It's like, did I waste mm-hmm. my time? Where did I miss all that stuff? How do you avoid doing that as a creator yeah. specifically? I think learning like up from it, like I'm not saying don't learn, right? Like if we could make this video, you release this video and it doesn't get any views, you can learn something. You'd be like, oh, Justin's not an interesting guest or like my audience doesn't resonate with the type, you know, with entrepreneurs or people who are like this, or maybe he came off too arrogant or, you know, not arrogant enough or whatever. And there's a lot you can learn from it, right? Um, and, and I take that approach with my content. It's like, I'm not sitting there in a vacuum being like, I'm only going to create what I want, like no matter what. I'm like, I'm learning from, Oh, you know, people like this kind of vlog. They don't like this kind of vlog. They, my audience resonates with this. You know, I always learn stuff. There's videos I think would do horribly that do um, well. And I think there's videos that I thought would do well that do horribly. Right. So I'm always trying to learn, but I do want to fundamentally do things that are true to me that I'm excited about regardless. Right. So the podcast is a great example because podcasts are actually very hard to grow. Right. As you probably know. Oh yeah. um, Because the podcast platforms don't really have like, recommendation algorithms built in like YouTube does. And so with my podcast, you know, I do my podcast and uh, I think of it as like, Hey, it's an opportunity to connect with this person for 90 minutes or whatever. And I love that. And maybe it's not going to get a lot of views. I don't know. Like some of them have done really well. Some of them have done mediocre or bad, especially once, you know, some of them with famous people who like haven't done that well. Right. So you never, um, you never know. And for me, it's more like, am I satisfied connecting with this person and do telling their story and like just to myself? Yes. And if that's the case, then like, it doesn't matter how many views there are, you know? It was funny. Do you know who Bryce Hall is? He's a TikToker. Yeah. He's part of that yep. crew, right? Well, I guess him and Gruen. See, I know this world. I'm embarrassed to, to say that <laughs> I know this world. It's just kind of embarrassing, but I guess him and Gruen had a falling out and, about a couple of things. Yeah. Cause of the TV reality show and the boxing match. And so, stuff. you know, of course. Yeah. yeah. So th- what we said was, Oh good. I don't have to be any, on any more of these pointless calls. And I asked Josh about that and I talked to Gruen about it too he looked at it like it was a complete waste of time where Josh, I think had your attitude where, okay, we talked about a business may not go anywhere. We talked about a company, nothing may happen, but at least I met Justin. At least I met this founder and who knows six months down the line, something may come of it. Or if not, I just had an interesting talk with the guy, you know, and that's exactly like I I used to be probably more of the former attitude and shifted to the latter, right? I used to be like, oh, how am I moving something forward for myself, right? Like, and if it's not, like, it's a waste of time. There's either like things that are productive or waste of time, right? And now I've come to, in the later stage of my life, I've come to realize like, you can learn something from anyone. You know, you can have value, valuable experiences with anyone. Um, You can even somebody who doesn't speak your language or doesn't share your culture or you know, the, you can connect with somebody about anything and like human beings are more similar and there's, there's value to be had in every connection if you look for it. Um, and uh, I think that's really an important attitude shift for me because it's made me much more open, you know, and I don't have regrets. Like if I got off, um, like a lot of times my natural instinct is the former actually. I'm like, oh, why do I want to do that? No, right? yeah. It's like, no, yeah, it's, it, I'm not like naturally. Yes, I'm actually naturally no, maybe. And so a lot of times I go into a call or a podcast and I'm like, oh, why did I agree to do that? Right. Like, I'm like, why did I agree to do that? Do I really want to like, et cetera, you know, but then when I get into the conversation, when I have the, you know, when I connect with somebody, when I learn about them, 
um, then I feel like, oh, wow, that was valuable. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know how many podcasts or podcast views your podcast gets, right? Like, will it drive YouTube chat views or something that I want? Like, I have no idea, but I really maybe. am in. I'm, I'm enjoying having, uh, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe I didn't, not, I didn't, I didn't look before I agreed to talk to do your podcast. Right. I didn't look is the point. And cause I didn't, it's, I'd rather, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, Michael connect us. He's a good judge of character. And I want to like, just, I love to connect with people and learn about them and have a conversation. So for me, that is the value, you know, you know, that's interesting. And you, you made me think, I saw a game yesterday too. And, want your thoughts on this and it, it was basically like what everyone thinks what everyone thinks makes success and it was like a pie graph and it was just work hard hustle and that was 100 yeah. of the graph but then the second that said what it actually takes and like 10 percent sleep 10 percent good exercise 20 percent connecting with friends you know 50 percent hard work and did you as you've gotten older and more mature did you have that hustle hard is the way you make it? I'm going to make money and this is the yeah, way to do it for sure. To, to now, do you have that second pie chart? Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, mine might be a little different on the second, but like, I, yeah, like I think it is, you know, I see, I grew sleep and exercise. I think like openness, right? Like being open and connecting with people. Like I used to think it's like, Oh, networking, that's a waste of time. You should just work on your product and like be in the, you know, just grind on your product. And like, that's yeah. what's important. And I didn't realize, Oh, well, the exchange of ideas with other people and the thing like becoming, having this network where you can tap into this broad set of resources and like different people with different experiences and skills is actually incredibly valuable. Right. Like, and, and it was a lack of maturity on my part in my early years to like not realize, um, you know, kind of like this value and the diversity of approaches and, and mindset and like the, even the way you spend your time. And this is a great, you know, thank you so much for talking. We've talked for a long time, but this, I look at this the same way. It's like, I made a pretty cool connection, had a great, um, just a great talk. And before we go too, I wanted to, I looked, I downloaded your app. You have a new app, Kin. Yeah. And I was playing with it yesterday and it's cool. It basically helps you build good habits. We talked about meditation before. I'm sure a lot of people watch this and go, yeah, I, I know I want to start meditation, but I can never stick with it. Talk about your app and how it helps people develop yeah. good habits. Thanks for bringing it up. So, so yeah. I have this app, Kin, uh, which is basically the habit builder app that I always wanted myself. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I started meditating. I started exercising every day. Um, I started, I stopped drinking and people said, oh, you must have this tremendous willpower, right, Justin? You And I'm actually somebody who does not have a high degree of willpower. For me, it was about building infrastructure so that I could maintain a health, ha healthy habits easily. And and what that meant was like uh, social proof or social accountability. So I would tell my friends like, hey, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to work out, you know, et cetera. And I would like, uh, I didn't want to be a hypocrite in front of them, right? So that was, that was a big power like that was a way to kind of at the meta level set myself up for success. And then I, it was like, um, the simple hack of like finding a habit tracker app and every day I'd open this app and press off, press the buttons of like the things that I did. And I just like wanted to make the longest streak possible. And, you know, I, I thought like, if I break this streak, then I'll never start again. So I like really need to continue it. And so I combined those things in an app called kin. Um, it's a free, it's on the app store on iOS and Android. And the idea was just to really create something that would help people build healthy habits in their lives because that's one of the things that's made them 
most different to me. So uh, people who can check it out, I think the website's kinhabits.com. have a couple partners uh, working on that with. And so, you know, it's my, my gift to the world. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Everyone check out Justin's YouTube channel, check out the podcast, both very good content and make sure you subscribe and turn on the notification bell, smash the notification button. <laughs> we do. I, I saw you say that too. I'm like, I feel yeah. stupid for saying smash. I'm like, if yeah. Justin said it, it's okay. Exactly. But smash subscribe. Yeah, there you go. We do interviews with the biggest creators in the world every Thursday. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any. Justin, it really was a pleasure, man. This is a conversation I don't get to have with a lot of people. We talked um, Siddhartha. We talked about meditation. We talked about startups. We talked about TikTokers. I mean, we covered a lot. It's fun. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. This was fun. I had a, I had a great time. Thank you. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah, cool. I got to go take care of my kid. Thanks for listening to the show. If you could take a second and leave us a five-star rating or a nice comment, it would really help the show. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, The Tom Ward Show. And you can always follow Tom on social at Matra1 on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter.